Hello everyone, you are listening to the First Draft Collective, a podcast for discussing and creating stories, and this is episode one. My name is Paul, professional amateur writer and storyteller, and with me is my partner in this endeavour, Thorne Wild, amateur professional writer, storyteller, and editor. Hi. For both of us, writing and crafting new stories and new worlds from our imaginations has been a passion for our whole lives, and we want to share that with people. We're going to be talking over the course of these podcasts uh, about aspects of some of our favourite stories from across all kinds of media, uh, discussing why certain narratives strike a chord with people, and why others should be more well-known than they are. And we're going to be using some improvisation to create our own stories that will hopefully be at least somewhat entertaining for you and help inspire you in your own lives. So we should probably start with who we are and why people should listen to us in the first place. (laughs) My instant reaction to that is that they really probably shouldn't. (laughs) But we've kind of committed ourselves to doing this now, so um, why don't you start us off, Thorne? Well, all right. I'm, as previously mentioned, Thorne Wilde. I am a uh, writer of primarily queer fiction, um, focused on uh, LGBTQIA+++ um, characters and uh, plot lines. I am uh, non-binary. Um, if you want to talk about me, use the masculine pronouns, please. And I write in a variety of genres, a lot of different things. I've uh, self-published a book of short stories, um, and I occasionally, well, fairly frequently, post things that I write on the internet. And I also uh, occasionally write a little bit of fan fiction, which was not how I got into writing, because I always wanted to be a writer, but how I sort of got back to it, I suppose, when I was in my teens. Because when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a writer, and then I sort of didn't write as much for a while, and then I discovered the world of fan fiction, and suddenly I was writing every day. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair introduction of me. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I said before, I am Paul. Um, it is pointless for me to tell you my last name, because you will guaranteed you've never read anything of mine. Um, I am one of those people who has a multitude of projects and never finishes a single one of them. Good thing about that is I have had a lot of practice over the years. So from what limited exposure people have had to my writing, I get a lot of good feedback, just not anything that's useful. All cards on the table. Um, I am not in any way a professional at this. Thorne sounds a lot less experienced than he actually is, um, I believe. Um, He is a fantastic writer. But... um, Oh, thank you. I'm told I am. I believe I am not. (laughs) So, for me... Um, much like Thorne, I have been writing since I was a child. Um, I knew I wanted to be a writer from when I was about five or six years old, before I could even write properly. And over the years, I have written stories. I've written fan fiction as well, just like Thorne. And I have a whole multitude of um, notebooks that are crammed full of writings and plots and, and stories that most people will probably never read. I keep trying, but there we are. Um, that's where the title of this comes from, First Draft. So, um, as we all know, the first draft is always the most raw, often terrible creation that a writer will 
will come up with to start with, and then it gets fleshed out. Since I never go beyond the first draft, this is where we're starting. And we're going to talk a lot about um, story, and we're going to talk a lot about um, how we develop uh, story in different genres, in um, different styles. And um, hopefully, even if it's of no use to us, me specifically, then at the very least, it might give you a little bit of inspiration in your own in your own minds as to uh, what new ideas or new stories you can come up with. Um, and even if you're not a writer, then by all means, um, I hope you'll still listen to us and, um, and and gain a little bit of inspiration for for whatever creative endeavor you kind of feel like it's uh, it's for. Let's talk a little bit about how we actually go about um, writing in the first place. So where 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 do we start? Where do we start when we write? You mean? Yeah. Well, it depends for me. I sometimes. I most commonly start at the beginning. I'm the kind of person who starts writing and then writes until they're finished. So you don't go in with any kind of, of predetermined plan. You just you, you have an initial idea for um, what a, a plot or a character, or do you just not even have that? Um, again, it depends a little bit. Sometimes, often it starts with a character or several characters. I do occasionally plan a little bit. It depends on the genre and it depends on the length of the story. Short stories, I just sit down, I start, I write, I finish. That's basically how I've always written short stories. Mm. When I write novels, um, there's usually at least a little bit of planning involved and I often at least have an idea of how it's going to end. And then I just need to get there. Um, interesting, yeah, because uh, ordinarily I come up with a with a, a fully formed idea, or at least not fully formed, but I have a, a core idea that I want to use, um, and then from there I, um, I, I flesh it backwards. Um, sometimes I come up with a character at the same time, sometimes I don't have a clue who the character's going to be, and I just know how the, 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 I want it to end up. I have an idea of the the, the tone or the message of the story before I have anything else. Um, And then I come up with everything else later. But that sounds completely different to how you do it a lot of the time. Yeah, that's kind of the opposite. (laughs) Like I said, I normally sort of start with the characters. My stories are generally very character-driven rather than characters being put into specific situations that sort of forced them to take certain actions. A lot of the times, my characters just sort of, they they drive the plot in a much more sort of active way. Like we talk about um, proactive and reactive characters, where reactive characters, as the name implies, react to what happens in the world, and that causes them to act in certain ways, whereas proactive characters are more, well... Proactive. <laughs> yeah, based on that, I'd probably say that my characters tend to be a bit, a bit of both. I I tend to write a lot of adventure and a lot of um, uh, fantasy and sci-fi and things. So s- central to that is usually um, um, a core event or events that sets everything in motion. But in the middle of that, I have ca- the characters who normally I don't like to have characters be too important to a story. I, I like characters to be the everyman, I suppose. So my characters tend to be more 
reactive to situations, but then they will grow as the situation develops and they uh, sort of encounter more obstacles in their path in in the adventure, I suppose. It's the um, proactive response to a situation, but a, a reactive growth in the characters, I suppose, in, in terms of how they, they develop. Hmm. It makes sense. I think, I mean, it's also, like you say, it's a bit a question of genre. You write adventure stories. Um, I write, well, I, I write a lot of different things, but I do write a lot of, a lot of romance, some like young adult fiction and stuff like that, which is by its definition kind of based on characters putting themselves into situations rather than just finding themselves in situations. But in that case, how important for you is, say, the um, the, the setting that you put it in? Because for me, the setting is, is generally fairly important as, um, as a fantasy writer, so I, I need to have an idea of the world that it's going to be set in. Whereas with you, with character-based stories, do you tend to think about the world at all so much? Or do you tend to think of it as... as uh, as the a backdrop that you need to be fairly detailed in. Well, I do. I do think about the world. I will often, most of the time, anyway. I will often set the story in a specific real place. Sometimes I will set it in a place where I don't actually state where it is in the story, but I base it on somewhere that's real, or a combination of places that are real. And occasionally I invent a place. Like for a trilogy of books I wrote, I invented a uh, I invented a West Midland small town for the <laughs> for the uh, for the characters to live in. That that would be in in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. I am from nearby the West Midlands in the UK. I would say that's probably an easier place to create because they're all the same. <laughs> Also, people who haven't been there don't know what it's like. <laughs> no, it's... It, well, actually, no. I mean, you can pretty much... It's sort of the small small English village, possibly a little bit urbanised. Yeah. Um, but generally a little, bit, a little bit less exciting than elsewhere in the country. <laughs> yeah, that particular story basically took place in a fairly small town, which was... In a random location about an hour from Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. So the middle of nowhere. Yeah. But I'm, I'm guessing that in itself actually served the, the focus of the plot, if you took the time to create it. The, I did. The, sort of the, the atmosphere that you were trying to convey in, in that town informed yeah. the story. <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, it, it did. And um, so, I mean, that's not the most involved setting I've created because I have written fantasy stories. And I have a fantasy project and a science fiction project, which both have a lot more involved world building than that, obviously. But for uh, for that particular story, or for that genre of story, I suppose, um, that's the most involved um, setting that I've created from scratch. Yeah, I mean, for me, the um, I tend to base most of my works on existing locations, but with an undercurrent of something fantastical underneath. Uh, Neil Gaiman, like. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I take more from sort of the the Neil Gaiman esque um, Neverwhere approach, where you have a a place, London in his case, and then you put a fantastical element in it, rather than say coming up everything coming up with something fresh. That's sort of a very very common thing in like urban fantasy and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I find that urban fantasy is probably the one of the easiest to develop. For me personally, I'm sure that it's it's very difficult for some people to try and take something that they know and then end up making it something fantastical. But for me, I tend to find that it's it comes fairly naturally. Yeah. Um, I have created other worlds as well, um, something uh, completely original. But that, in all, in in basically all kinds of massive world building projects. There is a lot of time and effort to go into it, and honestly, I do not necessarily have the patience to do that every single time. And I think, <laughs> and I like to think a lot of a lot of writers are the same. I'd like to think I could be completely alone with this, and I am probably a failure in that point. But even so, it, it is hard work to create a world, and especially when a world is um, central to the plot, you want to try and get across the. Um, the nature of the world as quickly as possible. And rooting that into something that's uh, familiar at the same time is useful, I find. How important are um, our secondary characters when you're creating a story? So, I mean, I think that a lot of the stories have the main characters, and the main characters revolve around themselves and the plot, and secondary characters are kind of there to flesh out the world, but don't necessarily have much impact in events. So for you, what... How do you sort of balance out creating characters to live in the world and having them interact with the main characters? Well, secondary characters have quite a bit of effect in my stories a lot of the time. I've gotten to the point where I've fallen so in love with certain secondary characters that I've wanted to write stories about them as well. (laughs) I'm the kind of, again, being a writer of very character-driven stories, I'm also the kind of writer who knows basically everything about every character. So whether they are main characters or supporting cast or even certain very minor characters, I have at least a certain idea about who they are. And um, I often have, for certain stories, and certainly for my uh, for a lot of, of my sort of young adult stuff that I've written, that's where basically, for instance, a school is very central I've got lists of like students and teachers and the names and their names, which I never really use in the story, but I know who they all are. So supporting characters, secondary characters do have an important role in my storytelling and they do have an effect on the story itself. Um, How noticeable that effect is to the reader, um, I suppose, varies. No, that's interesting because for me, secondary characters are... Secondary characters I don't tend to develop. They just come through naturally as I'm writing. So as I'm writing, I'll come across a situation where I feel this needs a character. This this needs an additional character to get across this point. And that is when I will write it. And I won't necessarily have an idea of who this person is, but as I'm writing it, it becomes more informed. The only planning that I will do in that regard is that when I have a secondary character that I need, I will... I will try and figure out what their background might be. And if that tends to be more of a, say, an antagonistic approach or an ally or someone who has, someone who is, say, more involved in the, 
in the circumstances of the plot than the main character is, then I will have an idea of who that of of how they interact in that way. Mm. But otherwise, I don't come up with any specific sort of idea necessarily of who the character is. I use I use at that point just what feels right at the time. Whether I want a character to be more, um, whether I want a character to be important to the main character or not, mm. whether the person will have an impact on the main character or not, and then often at that point I just let things flow from my own head and and just go with what what feels right at the time yeah i uh i mean when i say that i know who all the characters are that doesn't mean that i necessarily plan them out before i start writing them a lot of the time i do like you do i mean occasionally i will have made a list of like names and uh, like for for the for the young adult stories that i mentioned um and then i will use those names when a thing like that comes up when it's like, oh, I need a character for this situation. And I go through my list of names and I go, oh, that could be this person. And then as I write it, I sort of flesh out that character. But by the time that character has been introduced and I've written it a little bit, then I know basically everything about them. Hmm. Like I, I get to know them as I write. And I have my characters have a, and I know this applies to a lot of writers, my characters have an annoying tendency to change my plot. <laughs> something will happen that I did not plan at all. Even when I plan out a story, a character will do something that I didn't plan at all and it'll take the story in a completely different direction and I feel like I'm absolutely powerless and I just have to tag along. Yeah, see, that never happens to me. I mean, that's actually a lie. It's happened once or twice. But generally speaking, I will have full control over all of my characters and all the events and I have a even though I might not necessarily have the entire middle fleshed out I have a good idea of how to get from A to B to C and um, all the events and characters that are in there even if I don't necessarily have a secondary character in my head I'll know going in that I'll probably need a secondary character coming up or I'll need to introduce a new concept, or a new event, or so on and so forth. I like to keep a tight grip on my plot as I'm writing. Yeah. Which is not to say that it has not occasionally gone off the rails just the way... Because what you describe is amazing when it actually happens. And um, it can throw you for a loop. And honestly, it can be quite annoying. But it's fun. And to sort of bring yourself out of that and to to get back on track as to where you wanted to go in the first place can be a lot of fun to do but it's not generally how i would write most of the time no um for me that happens in practically every story i write at some point a character or a couple of characters will do something that i hadn't planned does that tend to affect the length of the end result or do you tend to just sort of deal with that situation fairly quickly and then get back on track um it depends i mean everything everything that happens will extend the story a little bit yeah it, it really depends on the situation if it's if it's a if it's a minor thing then you know i'll solve it and get back and occasionally even cut it in the end but sometimes it has really has a major effect on the ending on the continuation of the plot like it'll still end in approximately the same way but it'll get there in a completely different way than what i imagined when i started 
So when you write, because you mentioned that you have an idea of the ending when you when you start. A lot of the time. A lot time, of the time. Yeah. To what extent do you flesh out the ending in your mind? That also depends. Sometimes I've written the ending before I properly get started on the rest of the story, or I skip ahead after writing a bit and write the ending. I usually I try to write linearly because I have a tendency to <laughs> I have a tendency to struggle with the middle. So I try to write linearly so that I won't have finished the story and then get bored and struggle with going back and finishing the middle, kind of. But occasionally I just sort of jump around and write disjointed scenes that I then later sort of put together in a particular order and then write the scenes that need to come in between. Now that I actually cannot do. I can come up with ideas of what I want in the middle, but I can't just bounce between them because I feel like I need to be informed as to what's happened right up to the point before that point happens to be able to write it properly. Mm -hmm. And I know there's drafting and you go back, but we're talking about first draft here. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> plug. But um, the um, I, I, f I physically feel like I cannot do that. So we've talked a bit about us. We've talked a little bit about how we tell story. We'll get to more specific aspects of writing in the course of later podcasts. For now, I want to get to playing a little bit of a game. So, uh, in front of us on the table right now, we have a box with six compartments. Um, each compartment contains a bunch of notes. Hastily written notes. Hastily written notes, yeah, um, that we wrote yesterday. The notes in each compartment then have a theme. Uh, characters, locations, items... Events. Events, uh, relationships, or plot twists. Right. So what we're going to do is that we are going to pull notes out of this box, pull rabbits out of a hat, and try and make a story out of it. Yes. And um, this may go terribly. I have developed very, very rough rules as to what we're going to do here. Even now, I am not entirely convinced they're going to work. So we're going to just do it. And if this goes terribly, you'll listen to it, and you may never listen to us again. <laughs> if you do, though, you may find that we end up doing this again, and I will slowly develop it into something that actually makes sense. So, step one, and I'm going to give this to Thorne, is to either select a location, which is in blue, an event, which is yellow, or character, which is red. Well... As I talked about earlier, I often start with characters, so I'm going to do that in this case as well. So I'm just going to randomly pull a note out of this thing. Okay. Musician. That's fitting. I am, in fact, a musician in addition to being a writer. I think I wrote this note. <laughs> yes, that does look like your handwriting. So I have a musician. Hmm, what kind of musician? Well, before that, you do have the option of selecting an item. As long as you choose before you select the item the significance of that item to your character. If you wanted to flesh out the character with an item before you actually decide anything about them. That's a good idea, actually. Let's see. What significance would the item have to my musician? 
I think it would be something of professional significance. Something related to their music in some way. Okay. I'm going to add that I added more cars to this after you stopped seeing it yesterday when we were trying this on a dry run mm -hmm. so there are ones that that might end up being rather unique as a circumstance but please do go ahead with that well that just makes it more fun doesn't it swiss army knife <laughs> to be fair, I, no no to be fair a swiss army knife can be very useful for a musician and i know that you do sound production as well and a, and a multi-tool of that variety would not be out of would not be that is perfectly true you could use it to repair instruments um you could use it to can you use it for like tuning and stuff like that maybe in some way i don't know i don't i don't have a swiss army knife so i don't know exactly what's on it other than a wine opener <laughs> the most important tool the most important tool by the way i am not I am not saying that at some point we will not be doing these podcasts under the influence of wine. So that we might end up getting a Swiss Army knife just for that. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So then maybe this musician is also an instrument builder. Uh, okay. Uh, there are no wrong answers, so that's fine. Um, that's random. But yes, that's a good idea. So now, as the next part of this, you get to select a location or an event. I'll start with an event, I think. So events are yellow. Zombies! Why? Okay, for the record, we did this yesterday, and zombies were a recurring theme. And I swear we only put them in once, so this is going to be very cliche. Oh, this is random. Well... The instrument builder obviously is caught in a zombie plague somehow. Are they a zombie already or are they a survivor? Oh, it'd be cool if they were already a zombie. <laughs> Although is perhaps it, a his, little bit difficult is to Is his name Rob, by chance? <laughs> I haven't even decided on the gender yet. You have not. Um, I mean, they could still be female and be called Rob. This is true. <laughs> could be short for Roberta. Maybe there are no actual zombies. Maybe the musician is trying to create a an interesting and unique cover of Thriller. That would probably require zombies, yes. yes. That, that Actually, yeah, I, I can go with that. That's quite interesting. I kind of feel like I need to know what the Swiss Army Knife is doing in this story now other than its apparent significance. Come in handy on set if they're making a uh, if they're making a music video. <laughs> I think we need more. We need more aspects to the story in order to make this make sense. Okay, well that's where I come in. And in fact, actually, I have just come up with a new rule, which I actually uh, which I think might work quite well. Whatever I select next, I have the opportunity of taking that item away from you. So if you think that item fits my character better, I can use that item instead. Okay. Okay. But the significance that you came up with for your item, for your character, is still there. So it has to have professional significance? Yes. No, no, no. To your character. Oh, right. To my character, it'll mean something completely different. Okay. But to your character, that is still a Swiss Army knife with professional significance that he uses in his work. Okay. And my character can just take it from him. 
Through some circumstance. Good idea. So, I think we do need another character in this, so I'm going to start there. And I have a real estate agent. <laughs> Could your artist, your musician, be filming this music video, this recreation of Thriller, while the real estate agent is trying to show a neighbouring house to someone? Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, I like that. Okay. I don't think that he is going to have any kind of use for your tool off the top of my head. Unless, ah, unless the real estate agent needs to get the the, the um, music video to stop. So he notices that your musician is trying to fix something with the Swiss Army knife. So when he puts it down, he just swipes the Swiss Army knife so that the... I have a cat clawing at my leg. <laughs> so... He swipes the Swiss Army knife. Yes, so that they cannot they cannot do anything further with the music video. We need this cat to leave the room. <laughs> Go somewhere else. No, busy attacking fingers. It's the problem with doing stuff like this at home. It's a very cute cat, though. Sorry, I'm rather distracted right now. Stop it! <laughs> you do not bite cables. If you listen to the podcast long enough, there is a chance that we will share pictures of the cat. Although not on the actual podcast, because this is not a visual medium. You always have to be smart, don't you? <laughs> on hindsight, after all that distraction, I'm not quite sure I like the way this is going. So I think we need to add a uh, another event or another location. We don't have any locations yet. We do not have a location yet. How about you get out a location? Yeah, let's do that one. So, actually, no. No. No, before that, then I can select my own item for this character. Mm. And then we'll select the location. Good idea. So, let me think. So, I have the item. The significance of this item is that this is what my real estate agent will use in his showing his, his clients this house. He will use whatever this item is as a key feature of the house and why they should buy it. Why they should absolutely buy this house. Excellent. Yes. What is it? A crown. So, based on that, I am probably going to guess that someone's trying to sell Buckingham Palace to someone. <laughs> why these particular clients are going through a real estate agent to buy the Royal Palace of the United Kingdom, I do not know. But for sure... The crown jewels would probably be a selling point if they came with the house. The crown jewels are not housed in Buckingham Palace. No, actually, that's true. That is true. They are in the uh, Tower of London. Yes. Maybe they're selling the Tower of London off. Mm, makes sense. Okay. Especially in this climate. Yes. In this economy? <laughs> so. <laughs> I'm just going to roll with it. So, real estate agent is selling the, um, the Tower of London. Ooh, that makes sense. The uh, the place that they're recording the video, it's in the um, the, the the dungeon. The right. That's right. Yes. Next to there. Yes, and I'm willing to bet those dungeons do echo a lot. Probably. So probably very distracting to have a music video involving zombies and in, in the dungeons of the Tower of London, while you are trying to show a prospective clients the benefits of buying the Tower of London as a house. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm gonna do the. Um... Do the, uh, uh, oh, what are they called? Those guards come with it? 
uh, the Royal Guards. Oh. There's not the Royal Guards. There's something else. The ones that are uh, they have a specific oh, name. Yeah. Um. Oh, it escapes me right now. Are they the, the ones that you call beef eaters? Yes, yes. Yes, they are. Do they come with the tower? Well, I mean, probably, but you'd need to pay them still. Of course. And you're spending a lot of money on the Tower of London. True. In this economy. <laughs> All right, um, what's next? Well, I feel like we already have a location just purely from that, so I don't think having a location is necessary, so I'm going to take another event. There aren't as many of those. You need more of them. There aren't, but it's okay. Hmm. We'll make more as we go. A gin tasting. That is very topical with the beef eaters. It is. So let's assume, actually, no, that answers the question then, because the beef eaters are probably gone. But you replace them with beef eater gin instead. All right. Okay. We'll roll with it. So it's a it's a gin tasting of of beef eater gin. I don't even know if there are varieties of beef eater gin. Kind of hope so. Quite tasty, by the way. If beef eater gin wants to actually um wants to give us any money for the fact that we're now officially plugging their uh, product, feel free. <laughs> but it is genuinely quite good gin. Um, mm, yeah. We have now lost that money. <laughs> I don't actually know what else to do with that, except for the fact that the gin tasting would probably be an opportunity for the real estate agent and the musician to actually meet and interact. And the real estate agent would probably be, why the hell are you making so much noise? I've got a job to do here. And the musician would be like, likewise, I have a job to do here, and it involves noise. We're missing something. And I think I, I would possibly suggest that we should have a relationship card to try and find out how they interact but i feel like already it's kind of feeling like it's a bit more acquaintance uh, sort of um strangers who have just happened to meet by circumstance yeah but i mean there has to eventually develop some kind of relationship between them they're not going to continue being strangers now that they've met that's true but we can still select what the plot twist is going to be to figure out where, where that might go true so plot twist i think so do you want to grab it? Yeah, I'm a bit closer, aren't I? Yeah. So, plot twist. Faked their death. Okay, who faked their death? The musician? Maybe. Maybe the musician and the real estate agent get into such a such an argument about the uh, whole thing. And then, then it turns out that the musician has been recording the music video without permission in the dungeon. So what, to escape the... The long arm of the law. <laughs> I mean, ordinarily I'd ask that, that you know, that's that's trespass. That that does that's not an insignificant crime, but it wouldn't be that major. But this is the Tower of London we're talking about, so maybe it's a bit more significant. Or maybe the musician is recording the music video and but that's just a pretext. What they're really planning to do is steal the crown jewels. Interesting. And what, fake their death afterwards? Yes. So they steal the crown jewels, fake their death, and then just run away with them. Yes. If he is a musician who is making a music video in the Tower of London, in the dungeons, after it had been sold off to the public, apparently, I would like to think he is probably well enough off that he does not necessarily need the crown jewels. Maybe he's doing it for shits and giggles. <laughs> just to prove that he can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. How about this? We have a musician here who is who became a musician 
obviously, considering the circumstances, quite a well-known musician or a, a, a musician of fairly high influence. It's what the Swiss Army knife is for. No, 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 no. wait for it. No. But what he always dreamed of being, since he was a small child, was being a world, world-renowned jewel thief. Yes. And he is sick and tired of his life as a... Rich and famous musician. Rich and famous musician. So he decides that given all opportunity, he is now going to steal the crown jewels with his Swiss army knife and escape under the nose of this real estate agent. Yes. No, no, no. Actually, no, no, no. The real estate agent has got in the way because he did not intend for this real estate agent to be showing the now the now privately owned Tower of London. So now the real estate agent has got in the way and the uh, the the musician needs to now um, still carry out his plan, as he has no choice anymore, but to do it without getting caught. There is a rivalry here, obviously. Definitely. I think we can now flesh it out with a relationship of some description. Good idea. I'll this do is, it. Okay. This is going to go off the rails now. Because I wrote these cards, and I know that there are not all that many that will probably fit this very well. That says colleague. That doesn't work. Can we? Can we? Can we? Can we exchange like one card during the uh, during the game if it does not fit at all? Yes. Because they can't be colleagues. We could draw another char- character for this relationship to apply to. That's a good idea. We can exchange one. But if we take one and we have to exchange it, then we still need to come up with something else to fit it. So yes, in this case, we need another character later. But first, we need to select another card. You can't exchange this one. No. You have to use this one. To win! (laughs) The real estate agent is actually the musician's twin. Long lost twin. They're not, not, they're fraternal twins. They're not identical. Not long lost. I I think this still works because basically the, the twin is one of the few people that the musician originally confided in. The oh, real, about that. About, about their dream. About, about their dream to steal the crown jewels. Mm. About their, their dream to be a, a world-renowned jewellery thief. So now the twin suspects that that's what's going to happen. Yes. Okay, let's get another character. Who will be a colleague of either the real estate agent or the... Or the musician. Or the musician. An actor. An actor in the music video. Well, it kind of has to be. Mm. So they're a colleague of the musician. Yes. Okay. Well, that I, that is fine. However, how do they fit into the story? They are going to help the musician, I think. Why? <laughs> for Fail- shits, no, for no, shits no. and giggles. No, 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 no. <laughs> you don't... Well, I mean, you do. You do get very famous actors occasionally being in, uh, in music videos, and there's a whole slew of them. But generally speaking... Actors that appear in music videos are not necessarily the most well-off. So this is a failed actor who was going to be in the music video. Yes. Maybe he has some other skill set that the musician feels is crucial in their ability to... Maybe, maybe. ...get the crown jewels. So the musician recruits the actor. Yes. To help. Yes. And knowing that this actor essentially has absolutely nothing to lose, is pretty sure that the actor will help. Yes, that makes sense. Now that we have the twin in the way, I suppose we should actually try and figure out who's the antagonist here, because we selected the uh, the musician first, and he is doing some shady stuff here. However, is he presented as being sympathetic and someone that we want to root for, 
Or are they presented as someone that we absolutely must stop? I mean, it's a heist movie. Or a heist story, I should uh, say. We, we didn't know that until you just said it there. No, we didn't. But it, could, it could have been just a basic crime story. It could have. It could be that it's the real estate agent who's the protagonist. Exactly. And it could be the real estate agent who, as this musician's twin, takes it upon himself to make sure this crime is one that is not committed. And then he manages to stop his twin, but the twin still gets away without the crown jewels and faces his own death. Okay. Well, now I feel like at some point we need to return to this to find out what happens next. Yeah, there's probably going to be a sequel. (laughs) We will take notes and come back to this, I think. So, okay, no, 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 because I have another thing here that we do not have have a firm idea of here because i still have the gin tasting yes but because um the gin tasting could instead of being where they meet or something could be something that the musician tries to use as a distraction so he tries to steal the crown jewels while there's a gin tasting or is it still what we originally said with the gin tasting being when the real estate agent and the musician actually meet again and that is when the real estate agent first gets his suspicions that is that his no-good twin is up to no good. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That, that, I think, probably works. So, to sum up, I really don't know how I feel about this game. <laughs> and I came up with it. Um, so, we have a, a musician who has wanted to be a world-renowned jewel thief for as long as he can remember. And he was brought up with his twin, who is now a real estate agent who is now happily showing through some clients the uh, Tower of London, whether the crown jewels are still kept. But interestingly, the rest of the Tower of London has now been turned into a series of affordable apartments. And in so doing, because of the musician now filming a, uh, a thriller remake in the basement, the two have met up again after many years. There is a gin tasting. It is... A very, very pleasant evening for everyone. Until the real estate agent realises that his brother is there. And is um, not impressed. Because he suddenly realises that the only reason for his brother to be filming a remake of Thriller in the basement is if his brother the musician is wanting to finally fulfil his dreams of wanting to be a jewel thief and wanting to steal the crown jewels of Great Britain, with his apparent colleague, who seems very shady, who is an actor in the video. Yes. And you're saying that after all this, after the real estate agent has probably gone through some form of of trying to um, stop the crime, which we admittedly still don't know what to do. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do one last thing. I'm going to select another item, and this item is going to be the way the real estate agent stops the brother from stealing the crown jewels. Okay. Before they get away. Yes. Because your brother still gets away. Yeah. Does the actor get away? I don't know. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say the brother gets away, but the actor gets caught. Mm. So, this next item is how the real estate agent stops his brother, the musician, Mm -hmm. from stealing the crown jewels. Okay. What do we got? One that we kept getting yesterday when we were doing the dry run of this, and I'm not using it again. I refuse. Okay. (laughs) It was a monogrammed wallet. A saddle. This is one of yours. Yes. 
Actually, no. There's a horse involved, obviously. No, no, no. Wait, actually, no. This works because um, for anyone who uh, doesn't know, the Tower of London is also where the Royal Armouries are kept. Hmm. Museum. And this has uh, plenty of artifacts from all over British military history, including horses. So it could well be that where the crown jewels are kept, there is a display case with a mock-up of a horse with a military-grade saddle from, say, the 19th century or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when the real estate agent realises what's happening, when he realises his brother is going to steal the crown jewels, he takes it upon himself to grab this saddle and throw it into the display case that the crown jewels are kept in and sets off the alarm so that the brother can no longer succeed. And then the brother has to make a quick, quick escape... The uh, actor gets left behind. No, the actor gets left behind after the uh, real estate agent once again uses the saddle as a weapon. Because I remember that episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) The best weapon for a starship captain is a saddle. I'm telling you now. So, yes, the actor gets stopped by the same saddle Mm -hmm. that stopped the crime in the first place. Your uh, musician does get away. Mm -hmm. We will return to him at a later point. But otherwise... The plot has been foiled. Our real estate agent goes back to a life of relative, relative unknown. Don't forget that the musician fakes his own death. His, ah, yes, the musician so, does fake their own death. The musician fakes his own death. So everybody thinks the musician's dead. We think the musician's dead. The musician, musician is on the run. Mm-hmm. And then to try and make sure he gets away, he fakes his own death. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody thinks he's dead. The twin is actually a little bit, or the real estate agent's actually a little bit sad now. They were, after all, brothers. One last item. One last item. I know I said that I didn't, I wasn't going to use another item, but we need one last item because we need to figure out exactly how the musician fakes his own death. True. So. Don't draw the monogrammed wallet. (laughs) No. I'm going right to the bottom of the pile this time. A bicycle. He fakes his own death in a tragic bicycle accident. Yes. It is right by the Thames. Yes. He uses a bicycle to try and escape. Mm-hmm. He goes straight up to the Thames and sort of rams the the rail and goes over and doesn't come back up again. And they assume that he's drowned in the Thames. Maybe his brother thinks he can't swim. Maybe he couldn't swim when they were children. But he's learnt now. Yes. But we don't know this. Not mm. until the very, very, very end of the story. Yes. When so, we get to see the musician on a beach somewhere. In, because we, we haven't had a location. That's true, we haven't had a location. He escapes to a school. <laughs> Fakes his own death, shows up later as a school teacher. Yes, shows up later as a school teacher. Yeah, and that's how he escapes. Interesting. Well, I think we did what we could there. I think so too. So um, if you're listening to this and you want to write this story, go write it. Yeah, we, we, we hold no... We, we hold, we, we specifically do not wish anything to do with this story. So if you want to write it, then please do go ahead. We'd actually love to hear the results. Yeah, let us know. We're and on uh, likewise, this, um, if you think, as, you, as we've kind of gone along, that what we've said has um, a completely different plot that you'd like to write, then um, do so, or just plot it out in brief for us. Because, um, I mean, we can... Uh, 
we'd love to we'd get a kick out of seeing them and also if they're particularly good we can always present them as an alternative to what we came up with but yeah, otherwise i think episode. i think in the uh, rather ambiguous way this has ended we will otherwise probably come back to this musician that faked his own death after trying to steal the crown jewels so yeah on the whole that did not go as terribly as i thought it would <laughs> no it was all right it's a lot better than the dry run we did yesterday. <laughs> yes, that and the we tried doing something similar day, the day before, and it just didn't really work as well. So that concludes um, our uh, our show for today. As mentioned, we'll be coming back to various different other um, other topics in coming weeks. Uh, we don't really have a set in stone plan for what we're going to be doing in say the next episode. So I'm afraid you're just going to have to uh, tune in next time to uh, to find out what we're doing in the meantime you can always uh follow us on twitter yep um we are on twitter as at first uh, first draft c or we are on uh, facebook as first draft collective so you can find us on either one of those and if you'd like to follow me on twitter i am thorn underscore wild with an e at the end like oscar i am not on twitter other than obviously as the uh the one that we've just mentioned um but uh, if you talk to me on at first draft c then i will probably be the one to see that anyway um in the meantime i hope that you've had some fun listening to this we don't know what we're doing <laughs> so hopefully as we go along and do more of these it'll start to be a little bit more uh, a, a little bit more professional um so for now uh, i hope that you've had a good time listening to us and will join us next week um so from thorn and myself please be well goodbye bye see you next time <laughs>